April 7, 2021. It's the Watt for Pedro Show.
Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Started off with John Coltrane, live at Birdland, 1962, with Eric Dolphy. Of course, the rest of his band. Jimmy Garrison. Elvin Jones. McCoy Tyner. Itchworm is the tune. Then we had Dick Circus from Brandy and the Butcher. I'm not man alone, people. Brother Matt, yes, he's on the pleasure point at Love Grotto, still quite in quarantino mode, but through the wonders of Skype, engineers in Estonia, we got Brother Jay Matheson. Welcome aboard, Jay. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah. Are you talking to me from Columbia? Yeah, Columbia, South Carolina. I am sitting in the cockpit uh, of the Jam Room Recording Studio. Right, and this is where you make your music happen. Yep, this is where I've been uh, situated uh, in this spot since about 1992. Yeah, now we should give some big fucking credit to Brother Dylan Dickerson for making the connect. Yeah, he's an awesome fellow. I worked with him on a record lately, and it was a pleasure. He's a real talented guy, a nice fellow. Yeah, yeah. Dear Blanca, his band. Yeah, we worked on a live record and it came out really good. Uh, some stuff that was recorded at a couple of different venues here right before COVID. Or actually, one was during COVID and one was pre. Well, you got something to do with the Comfort Monk, right? I did uh, um, master. The first thing I kind of did with him is uh, I've never actually recorded his band before, but I did do their uh, first uh, comp release. I mastered that for him. Okay, okay. We're getting ahead of ourselves, though, because I want to go back I want, uh, for, with your music fucking journey. Jay, please bring me the earliest musical recollection you got. Uh, the very first I can recall is uh, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. Uh, I think my parents weren't very into music, but I think they bought a stereo, and it came with one of those one-year things where, where it had a pick of the month, and I think if you didn't get the pick of the month, they always sent... Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, I think he maybe he owned the record company or something. <laughs> A&M. Huh? So that's all the records that were in the house. So I would jump around the house and pretend to play trumpet when I was real little. I didn't come from a musical household. It was a sports household, so there was not much music going on. I just happened to be bitten by the bug. I, I was old enough, uh, though, to have watched the Ed Sullivan show and I did actually see the Beatles and, of course, a lot of the, the classic shows there because it was a, cl- a thing for the family to do back then. So they're my earliest musical recollections, I think. Okay. And was that Columbia? No, I was, I was, I've always lived in South Carolina. That was in a very uh, small town called Macby, which is a v- even I, – I grew up way back in the woods, kind of away from any kind of city or anything. So – you know, I had very little access to music. You know, the radio stations in, in the South Carolina only played like sugar-coated pop music, no rock and roll, not even Hendrix or Led Zeppelin. The first time any, any Zeppelin even got on the radio is when Stairway to Heaven came out, you know. What about instruments in the pad? Uh, no instruments in the, in the house growing up. Okay, okay. What about school, like the marching band or the choir, shit like that? Yeah, well, definitely uh, being the trumpet thing, I started playing trumpet in middle school and ah, did that great. all through high school. And there's where I got my basic, you know, learning, you know, basic 
musical structure and such. So when I decided to start playing bass, I had something to go on and uh, I could start uh, right when I got my bass. I had a band director in high school that was a trombonist and he decided to start playing bass and he bought a bass and uh, it was a Fender Jazz and an old 100 watt basement head. And we had what you call a pep band and we would play uh, during the basketball games. I remember standing in front of that basement cabinet and he was rocking it out playing along with us. And I said, man, that's badass. Now, Bone is bass cleft, so he was on the right road. Uh, so so it was him actually playing that hit to you, the bass. Um, I, you know, you know how bass is, it's, I think, you know, I took, I only had a few lessons. I never had bass lessons. I had a few guitar lessons when I was in high school. I was kind of a late starter with all this because where I lived, there was no opportunity to really, you know, have lessons and, and for much of anything. But luckily my, another band director played in a band, uh, like a wedding band and he had his guitar player come to town. He had to drive like 30 minutes and five or six of his kids, uh, were, were taking guitar lessons there. And, you know, I, I got guitar lessons, but it was very soon after that that I decided to switch to bass. Now, you must have got a guitar, right? Yeah, I got a Fender a 66 Mustang from the pawn shop. Now, now, how'd that happen? Was that a gift or was that you on your own? Or Oh, yeah, my parents didn't want me playing music. They didn't want to buy me any of that kind of stuff. So I got a job at the grocery store and uh, this other band director who was a mentor to me. Uh, actually, I called a ride with him up to Columbia and the, the store where they, they repaired, uh, you know, broken band instruments right next to the, a, a, a pawn shop. And I went into the pawn shop, and for, I think, 160 bucks, I got the Mustang. Okay. And a little amp. Yeah, you must have got an amp, right? And, uh, yeah. yeah. But what, 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 like rock and roll? I mean, uh, since, because you're in the band playing trumpet and shit, I, I just want to make, and so I, you got the music thing, but what makes you want to go over to that guitar? That's what I'm trying to get at. Well, you know, of course, uh, by that time, I'd heard uh, Black Sabbath and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I should have asked you. I should have asked you, Jay. First record you bought with your own money. Yeah, that was the Black Sabbath Paranoid album. Ah, second one. Good one. And what about first gig you went and saw? Uh, I think it was a, uh, the first like cover band I saw was at a family campground, and they were playing songs like, uh, you know, Three Dog Night and stuff like that. The first big concert I saw was uh, ZZ Top on the Fandango tour. Yeah, I saw that tour. That was right near the end of what I liked about them. No doubt about it. And, Fandango's uh, a great record, too. Half live, half studio. Now, oh, yeah, uh, so so like uh, Tony Iommi. So so you're, you're listening to Tony Iommi, and you want to play guitar like him? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that was probably one of the main ones, of course. You know, I really had very limited goals as far as guitar playing. I didn't think I was going to be able to to do it and you know and really once i got past the inner the, the beginner stage i switched to, to bass well, right off but. okay okay geezer okay but, but let me ask you this because this was a big trip for me and d boom because we were into black sav too but a geezer had big influence on me and, but um this thing about the fuck we didn't know about fuzz boxes you know we didn't know so when you got that fucking staying in that little amp and no matter how you tried you probably couldn't get tony yomi's thing right Oh, no, no. But, you know, I was just struggling. Uh, I think, you know, the, the songs that the guy was showing us were like uh, Tush. And, when, you know, what I really wanted to learn to play on guitar was Jumpin' Jack Flash because I'd seen oh, Johnny okay. Winter play it. Yeah, on yeah, TV that's right, time. right. I had an 8-track with it, a version of him doing that and Johnny been good and shit. Johnny Winter was bad. 
but oh, uh, but but Stone's Keith, you know, and but there's something about the Sting probably sounded better with doing Jumpin' Jack Flash than uh, Hand of Doom or. <laughs> oh yeah, now, what yeah. I'm saying is what I'm trying to relate because I think you're closer to my age. That we didn't know about fuzz. I think every fucking cat who starts guitar now knows about fuzz boxes. Oh yeah, we thought it was some stu- studio uh, trick. We didn't know how the, Tony Iommi got that sound. Yeah, you know, uh, my second amp was a PV Pacer because being in the South here, you know, all the PV amps were the thing. And the Pacer had an o- a solid state, but it had an overdrive knob on it. And uh, it was on at that point. Okay, okay. Look, they had them out here too because that, that bass when uh, was first a Minuteman was a PV 400. So oh, yeah. getting over to the, yeah, but whatever. I think they're from Mississippi, right? Look, yes. getting, getting over to uh, bass. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of a little, not prejudiced, but <laughs> I, I got certain kind of angle on that because, uh, yeah, a little time with it. And uh, like bass used to be the, the guy uh, where you put the lame guy, you know, but you wanted oh, yeah. to do it. Yeah, the, 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 the bass players used to be uh, the really trippy guys. But I tell you, the first really influence I had as far as in person, have you ever heard of a band called White Witch? It's, they were on the Capricorn label. Okay, I know about time, them. They were Georgia, right? Yeah, and we, me, a friend, a friend of mine, uh, and I went to Augusta to a place called the Whipping Post, which is a really cutthroat kind of bar, but it was kind of a hard rock bar. And we didn't know who was playing even, but it was a band called White Witch. It turned out they were unbelievable. Oh wow! The, okay. They were very Sabbath, kind of like a, like a Southern Sabbath sort of thing, and well, whipping, they had all this theatrics whip, going on. Whipping Post is that big. Uh, Allman Brother too with the bass line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but this guy's bass playing. Uh, I watched his fingers and they and they got real blurry because he was so fast. And I immediately got obsessed with playing as fast as I could on bass. Yeah, because it seems when you play fast on bass, your notes get really little. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, but too uh, many but notes. Fast, <laughs> I guess this wasn't that incredibly fast, but you don't you don't have to play super fast for your fingers to start getting blurry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're playing that's like right. a, with a two Absolutely. finger finger style. Absolutely. But I was. Uh, oh, so you're talking fast, about you're talking about the plucking hand. Yeah, yeah, the plucking hand, right? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, not not real busy on the on the on, on the, the left port hand side, on the fret yeah, board, because the plucking hand you just being able to drive it real fast, you know. <laughs> I don't mean to talk of you, but yeah, the finger in hand versus the pluck in hand. Because Kay, you know, Kay, she's southpaw, but she thought, well, the strong hand should be the fucking fret one. She had no idea, and that's why she <laughs> played right-handed basses. Look, I want to play pool party. Oh, great.
she was an appealing kind of girl. The kind of girl you don't see every day. She would never sing a song. She always said the words like this. She was the only girl I ever knew who didn't wear any underwear. I like her. But she knew how to wear a smile. I like that too. She had that certain something. It's really hell out there 
Pedro Show. That chunk of music started with Brandy and the Butcher doing Pool Party. To back after that, Mr. Tom out of Pittsburgh with his brand new album. It's called Fucked Up Friends 3. And this was Saturday Coyote. Modern Blonde, brand new, with Becoming Candy. New album from Bob Pollard and Guided by Voices, Dayton, Ohio. Wave Starter. Network Glass out of Baltimore with TR. Quirky from Wharton's Expanding Jazz Band. Wharton Tears. That studio, God, what was it called? Fun. Something fun. Fuck, it'll come to me if I don't think about it. Uh, Bob was pregnant after that. She was a girl. The Hellbeans. Foul water thicker than blood. Fun city? Something like that. Shit. Fuck what? John Wayne, but I got Texas. Great, uh, what's it called? Texas Funeral. Great record. Los Perdidos. No, Perdidos, what? <laughs> Asshole. Lo siento. Brunson's Burner. No, Bunsen Burner, of course. I got burned by once. Oh, uh, what was that shit? Sterno or something? <laughs> Fucking, I was a boy and it got on my ankle. God, got in the sock. You know, hot wax, fuck. Paraffin, that's what we pair. Okay, Jay, back to your story here. So you get this bass, and the first bass you bought was a jazz, Fender Jazz? Well, I didn't, I didn't have the money for that, but I, I worked in a grocery store, and it turned out that the manager of the grocery store played, uh, played bass in the Pentecostal church, and he had this real cheap copy of a jazz called a diamond, and it was probably a real piece of junk, but that was my first bass, and I think I got a little peavy TNT bass amp when they were only 45 watts. So that was the first one was a jazz copy. Well, well what did you dump the guitar or did you keep it? Oh, I kept the guitar. You okay. know, I was like obsessed with getting as much music gear as I could. I didn't sell anything for a while. Okay, so uh, now this shit you learned, you said you had got some lessons from somebody, but a lot was like what, trying to copy songs off records? That's all we did. I mean, the idea of writing songs... To us, way back in the country, there was no place at all. No, to, no, no. That that's was the way it was. In Pedro, it was like that in the seventies until the movement. We didn't know one motherfucker wrote their own songs. The best dude was the dude who could play Black Dog the best. There you go. We had no but, idea know, that people, you know, that weren't from Mount Olympus, were allowed to write fucking songs and deliver the good time, or at least yeah, get what what was on their mind, what was in their heart. Yeah, like we play along with Foghat Records and things like that. Oh, I saw them in the band before too, uh, Savoy Brown. I uh, never saw them. Yeah, they it, it, they call that stuff boogie. Yeah, <laughs> it was all it was kind of T Tony Iommi's chords, but not played like him. Played more like uh, Chuck Berry. Uh, but it was good, you know. Uh, very sad, Lonesome Dave, great singer. Oh yeah, it yeah. was awesome. I saw him in a really big, uh, big live setting once. It was it was pretty cool. Good singer. He got cancer. Got him early. Uh, so let's go back. So so like I said, you kind of learned yourself. And so, uh, what about the shit like after school? Not after you graduate, but in the afternoon, like the bedroom band, basement band, garage. You do this with your buddies? No, we didn't have enough people to play in okay. uh, in the little town I was in. So yeah, we didn't have. Uh, bands we didn't have uh, we didn't have like you know the, the what most people would have because 
it was a really small town and a lot of people didn't play. So there yeah. was just not people to get a band up. I get you it. would occasionally get a jam together with some people, but it was maybe a friend was home from college or something like that. And you could get well, together. Well, what about after high school? Did you go to college uh, either for music or for something else and then met more uh, music people? Oh yeah. Well, you know, as I was going to college, uh, you know, then I started playing in all sorts of bands. They were all, uh, all pretty much cover bands, but you know, I, I, I played with, uh, you know, a lot of people and we were playing like, you know, you know, we would play Sabbath and, and Iron Maiden songs and ACDC songs and such like that, which was not in demand. We were trying to go play these gigs and, and people were saying, no, we, this is a little bit much, uh, for us. <laughs> what about, uh, because you end up with the fucking studio and shit. Did you start with the fucking uh, four-track cassette thing around this time? I actually didn't ever get into what you call home recording. I, uh, I basically, when I was in college, I took what's called media arts. And when they had like an eight-track machine and an old sound, uh, sound workshop console. So I was actually exposed to that. I, but then I, then I didn't have access to it. You know how it used to be. You couldn't afford that kind of stuff. I know, like I, absolutely. I know, I know, I know. Two thousand bucks. I know, I know. It was buttloads of money. People don't realize how that really improved that situation where people could dive in econo. So at a certain point, you know, I, I basically, uh, you know, I started doing live sound. I've actually done a live sound for you a couple of times. Okay. <laughs> the Grow Cafe. Do you oh yeah, the absolutely. Cafe? Absolutely. You were there with Sonic Youth one time. A little while ago. <laughs> yeah, and I was I had brought the PA out for that, and you had your own mix guy, but I was there. I set it up and and, and uh, helped him. And then before that, you had played there previous. Did, didn't you play that that little space once before that too? Might have, might have. I mean, it seems like I recall doing sound for you, and I forget what group it was. But I remember you were like all over the base. I'm like, man, who is this dude? You well, know? With, with Sonic Youth, I know it was Firehose, but it might have been Minutemen yeah. before that. Yeah, must have been. I now, don't know. I, you, are you talking Columbia? Because I remember in the old days, something called the Beat Club. And uh, then later on, uh, Art Bar right downtown and uh, Rockefellers yep. and shit. Yeah. 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 I, I, did have, I was a house sound guy at Rockefellers. And that's really how I kind of got turned on to, you know, a more twisted kind of music. You know, I was doing sound for hardcore reggae you know i got all the heavy bands i got to do sound uh i was the guy to do work the um you know the bad brains or the suicidal tendency show and and as time went on you know my band that i was in was popular and we uh we opened for like you know social distortion and concrete blind and things like that so rockefellers was kind of a ground zero to my experience with the scene here in town, you know, that was the, the bar in Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember, and I also remember one ounce liquor bottles, airplane bottles. Oh yeah. For many <laughs> years that finally changed, you know, <laughs> and, uh, like this is going to help alcoholism. <laughs> they only have a little bit at a time. When I was a teenager here, they had seven ounce beer cans too. Like somehow like the littler portion, people just drank more of them. <laughs> Oh yeah, they, those, so they still have those little ponies. You know, they have little kings and little ponies still. The the there's some survivors of the seven ounce beers. You know. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, interesting psychology experiment. Uh, um, oh, yeah. um, um, so, actually, you get in by fucking being, you know, the guy on stage who ain't the guy on stage. Yeah, I was back and forth. You know, one night I'd be playing, and uh, but, then oh, more nights I'm doing sound. 
Oh, okay, okay. So you were actually playing at the same time. Okay, okay. So was it? Because you, uh, people don't realize, man, the cats on the stage are just a motor, and, and and that person with the knobs, that's the transmission. That's how you get it to the people. And so oh, yeah, people who like want to pick a fight with the Sandman are the biggest assholes in the world. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because there's a big-ass suck knob you could just turn past 10. Yeah, that was an opportunity for me to meet a lot of people, both, you know, people that would come through touring. You would meet them, and uh, also you'd, you'd hang out with these the touring sound guys and learn a lot about, you know, how to interact with people and such. It was a great experience. You know, I did that for, I don't know, three four years, you know. People politics. Look, we're at yeah. the end of the first hour, April 7, 2021 edition, Watt Pedro Show. Special guest, Jay Matheson. Hold tight for hour two. April 7, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
logic somehow and are you really feeling okay or is it just a thing that you feel like you have to say like yesterday we were walking
silk dress and a lambskin coat Not a stitch belongs to me and that's alright Got bags full of snake oil money to deliver today I hate my job, I hate my job But wait and see, wait and see Tomorrow is a can of kerosene At night I rest my bones in someone else's bed And the rent is paid Come morning, my boss is in the news again I hate my job
show, we started the second hour off with Hog Wild from the Capital City Playboys Club. You know, the, the school there, right? Gamecocks. But it's USC. We got one here in SoCal. Trojans. Hog Wild, Capital City Playboys. Ben Salter after that from Tasmania with Fight Songs. Lucas Abel out of Sydney with Parapet. Uh, from Nashville, Kalinich. No, Kalinich. Get it right. What? And Tivin. Born too soon. Tommy Dahill out of Alaska with De Domini Downer. A little Gaelic in there. Sorry for fucking it up. Emmanuel Maresca and Emmanuel Ferrers. He's living in Berlin these days, and this is uh, Speak Low. Uh, he told me it was inspired by Mr. Bill Evans. As Z after that, the SNES, Chicago with Hank My Job. And finally, Confederate Fag, Down with the Boys. So, yeah, you're giving me these, uh, well, f at first we played, I think this is your most recent stuff, uh, Brandy and the Butcher, but, uh, yeah, Las Perdidos, and Capital City Playboys, Confederate Fag. Next, we're going to play some six tens. So, the, after doing three or four years of sound, what, you start getting into joining other people's bands, or, or do you start your own? Um, I joined, uh, I joined a band. I was still kind of stuck playing in a cover band at that period, but then there's a local band called Bachelors of Art, which was kind of a goth band that were friends of mine, uh, and, uh, the, they kicked their bass player out. So I was kind of chomping at the bit to get in a real band that was, you know, putting records out and writing songs. So I told them I wanted to play. And of course we got together and it worked out and we turned out to be, you know, a very popular local band for, you know, about five years after that. But uh, you didn't give me any of that, Jay. You don't. Have, I didn't give you a Bachelors of Art song. No. Oh, it might have just said BOA. No. Wow, I can't believe I. But anyway, was, you guys ended up recording, right? Yeah. Well, the first record that I really recorded that was released and was successful was actually that band. Um, it was at a uh, before I had my own building, I shared a space, and I had gotten my eight track. And I had a nice board that I bought for live sound and I recorded bachelors of art and it was, like I said, it was very popular locally. We, you know, I mean, very limited scale. We sold like 600 cassettes, which, you know, for back then that was a lot for a local thing, you know, Yeah, yeah. but okay. So you get a studio. That's what happens, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we ended up getting a large practice space, and I started just kind of co-oping that with the band. Oh, okay. The practice pad uh, kind of morphed into a studio. Yeah, and then uh, and then as the band, uh, about the time the, it was the demise of the band, was about the time that all of a sudden I rented a, a, a larger, much more proper, like business location sort of thing around '92, and that's how I ended up, you know, starting the the studio. And around that time, I had a day gig where I was working at a sound company, and I quit the day gig around 92. Okay, so that was the big changeover. So you start recording bands. Yeah, I'd been doing it on and off since way back. I, 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 I borrowed a, a reel-to-reel four-track and had done a couple of mobile things that were popular on the local, you know, uh, college radio station, but... You know, I charge them forty bucks to come out and do it. You've probably had experiences like that way back. You know, uh, sure, mobile sure. things. But I mean, there were no studios around here at all to get a, a reliable recording. You could go spend thousand dollars and come out with something to just sound like crap or that like that you didn't, you know, that you wouldn't want to put your name on. You know, so wow. 
I was kind of the first guy in this area to offer an, uh, an opportunity for, you know, you know, punk bands, hardcore bands, goth bands, whatever, a place that we could come, you know, and try to make records. Uh, and, it, you know, it was, you know, they pretty much always sounded at least good enough that people were excited about putting them out and they never cost much money. So it was, I was always that guy back in the day, you know, way, way prior to computer recording when you know how it was. Studios were a different thing back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the learning came some from that, that stuff, the, the media art stuff at college, right? But then some came from this uh, live experience of doing uh, the remote recordings. Yeah, I really wish I'd had more experience recording in other studios, but there weren't any yeah, around to yeah, learn from. Yeah, I understand. From. No opportunity. So a lot of things I really should have known to be running a studio, I didn't at first. And, then, you know, you had to learn it over the years. Uh, you know, this is way pre-YouTube and, and such like that. I mean, I really, in retrospect, wish I'd have gone off to some more education. But here I was busy as hell recording people because they needed to get recorded and so i just kept hammering it out you know year after year jay i think they call it learning by doing yeah i, I was doing <laughs> that's that all right and, and, and that way you kind of get uh more of your own style maybe i want to play you uh, this 610 split you gave me suicide boat <laughs>
Pedro Show. Started that chunk of music off with six, six ten split. Necronauts after that wonder aperture tide. It's got a Manuela's last episode. Uh, sweet uh, water boogie system with uh, we are split my head. Sweet ones authentic from the Januarys. I know sh- she knows. Trigger cut. Finally, the mercy shot. Xmas freak out. So you're you're telling me off air. Uh, yeah, nothing to do with this 610 split name. Not the name. I mean, I, I wrote songs with the rest of the band, but I think our singer, you know how band names are sometimes. I think she made it up and we just went with it, you know. Did you write Suicide Boy? Uh, no, that was primarily uh, her, her and John, uh, the guitar player. Uh, you know, they mostly wrote most of those songs, and I would just like contribute like a bridge or something like that. He'd have a couple of song ideas. And I would say, hey, let's put this part here. Let's put that part there. So he was a guitar player. So most of the the main main song riffs were him. And I would usually, like I said, have uh, the the C part or the D part. You know, I would usually add those sorts of things in the writing process. And what about last chunk of music, Confederate Fag? That's an interesting uh, thing because uh, it came uh, from a, uh, a uh, we were at a party where some indie rock bands had played. And I have a friend, Stan, and he's a big Priest fan, and I'm always egging him Judas on. Judas Priest. Yeah, and... Uh, I saw the first Hollywood gig. It was at the Whiskey, if you can fucking believe it. Crazy. It was. So, the singer guy was in... I mean, the band was good, but it, what was it called? Sad Wings of... Uh, Destiny. Yep. Yeah, so we're at this party, and uh, and I told Stan to get the bass, I was going to get the guitar, and we are going to play some Priest. Of course... I really couldn't, I could barely play guitar and he could barely play bass, but we just hopped off the bands had finished and started playing and random people would start uh, singing the songs, you know, another thing coming and breaking the law, just to what they call butt rock, you know, and and we're doing that. And then the singer uh, came in, he is Chris Bickle used to be in a a old hardcore band called Inhumanity, but he would had gotten big into karaoke. Well, (laughs) that's that's an evolution. Yeah. So we, we, uh, we, uh, we, he came into the kitchen and he was obviously like doing acid or something at the time. And, uh, and, uh, I told him he missed out on a good jam. He said he didn't miss out on shit and we were going to go back in there and play some more. <laughs> so, so we went back in there and started just playing, you know, random songs like I want to be your dog and stuff like that. It just, it had no idea how to play the songs hardly, but people were just going batshit crazy and didn't even have a real drummer. Just random people would just cycle on and off the drums. So Chris kept saying, we need to do a gig. We need to do a gig together. And, and it was just like, well, fine, we'll do a gig. So finally it came time. He booked a gig and we, we had this friend that was going to drum. And I thought we were just going to play with no rehearsals at all and just get up there and just slaughter all these songs. Uh, but then like the couple of days before the, the drummer, the drummer bowed out cause he had a paying gig. We got another drummer and we decided to rehearse once. And then Chris makes up this name Confederate fag and that was because the, the the Confederate flag thing was a big thing in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, on the Capitol. Building. And it was and it was a year around 1999 that it was in the paper every day on the news. They were trying to take it down, and it was just everywhere. So we were supposed to play a gig one night, and it was just cover songs. And of course, you know, by the time we show up at the place, we're all these notorious locals. And Chris put all made up this band name and put these crazy flyers all over town. And all of a sudden, we pop into the place and it's packed like it had never been packed before. 
and people are just tanked up and we just, you know, proceed to slaughter uh, everything from taking care of business to, to, um, to surrender. And people are just thinking it's the best thing ever. And you got to, and we're wondering why people liked it at all, you know? And so we, we, after that, we continued gigging a little bit. We got a little bit better on our, I got better at guitar, Stan got better on bass. And, uh, we ended up writing some songs and putting a record out. And after a couple of years that that was done though, the shows just got out of hand. They were just insane. Uh, you know, uh, they would, uh, it got to the point where we were, uh, um, we, we would cover the stage and stuffed animals and people would shred them and throw it. You could get a dollar off if you bought a stuffed animal or a porn magazine and people would shred porns and we'd put porn all over the stage. And it was just one of those things where it was just stick after stick after stick. And it was just a local phenomenon that everybody had. We had this real offensive website that finally gotten taken down before, you know, ugly content. But it was a it was a, a fun little two or three year run of a understood understood a, something <laughs> that shouldn't have been. No 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 come on it's you got to land some boil. <laughs> yeah that's right it was, it was a good time and uh, and we're the, the four of us are are, are great friends and they're oh, all really beautiful. just awesome people just fun loving guys you know big love. Okay we're at the end of the second hour April seventh twenty twenty one edition Watt Peter show special guest Jay Matheson hold time for hour three. April 7, 2021, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro. Well, let me tell you a little story about Uncle James, a man that lived a dull life. Nobody knew what he was up to, not even his beloved wife. Like to hit the bottle, get drunk more than once in a while. But he also worked for the CIA, just to handle them secret files. He ain't worthy of a song, cause they done us wrong. But a rope one anyway about all the James. Cause the death of many men, I said all the James. Doing life in the federal pen. Well, all the James was a kind of a man who look you right square in the eye. Knowing full well tomorrow that you were gonna die because of all the James.
Well, for Pedro Show, started the third hour off with Alder James from Buck Stanley. Then Tragic Comedy Part 2 of After Hours Jam. Nick Francis and Tollum with two. And Tollum's calling a lot of his shit by just numbers, I guess. He used to be in the least hundred word titles, so I, now he's going the other way. Stony I go Spring. numbers. <laughs> a lot of numbers. Stony Spring after that swimming class. Survival Knife, Loose Power. I think that had the bass man from Unwound. We lost that brother a few months ago. Really nice cat. And Wild Root finally with the sticky stuff. So <laughs> off-air people, um, Jay's hit me the fact that a lot of these projects are the same people in different roles. Is that correct? Yeah, um, like uh, Aldra James uh, that song about Buck Stanley. Buck Stanley was fronted by the guy that played bass in Confederate Fag, and he was the drummer for a 610 split. So he drummed with me in one band, played bass in another band, and I played guitar. And in this band, he's playing guitar and singing. So he's a, he's just a talented guy. Just and just His lyrics are extremely funny. I don't know if anybody really caught the lyrics of that song, but Stan is a really humorous guy. And uh, we've emceed things together, and uh, we're considered a bit of a comedy team when we uh, get rolling. <laughs> no, no. It seems like you was this kind of a departure for the bass because I mean, uh, the pictures you gave me and and, and you uh, with these projects, you, you you kind of make a transition. Uh, as far as from bass to guitar, yeah. Um, well, you know, I was uh, the only two times I really played uh, guitar was Confederate Fag, and it, that was just due to a, a mishap at a party. And currently, I'm playing guitar. The the guitar picture you see is from Brandy and the Butcher, which is yeah. the current band. And I, I just want to basically play rock and roll, uh, you know, with a kind of a retro punk twist, maybe Dead Boys kind of rock and roll sort of stuff. And it definitely Stooges, all that mixed in there. And nobody uh, in this area wanted to do that kind of stuff, so it forced me to have to play guitar. And so uh, the drummer is actually the old Confederate fag drummer, so I'm back with my old buddies. And he just retired from the Army, and he said when we got got out of the Army, we were going to put a band together. So then we got another one of his uh, guy that he'd served with, and he was an Army musician, as this other guy, Roger, was. And we uh, ended up putting uh, this Brandy and the Butcher thing together, which has gone very well. Our, 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 our record, you know, we put it out on a vinyl, and it, it's gotten some cool reviews and stuff. The other army guy, he's the bass. Yeah, he's the bass player. Okay, His name's so Roger. I'm curious. I'm curious, Roger. Sorry. Yeah, so now, it's a little odd. Roger, with bass a serious man, bass player. Well, the, here's here's what I'm gonna ask you, Jay. Him being a bass man and you coming from so much rock and roll bass, but you're on guitar. Do you fucking uh, learn him? Uh, instruct him? Oh no, no, not at all. He's a he's a real serious bass player. And you know, I I take a, a nod from you on that because you do some really out there bass, but then then you do that Stooges. He's also a big Stooges fan. That's where we kind of bonded. I said, I don't know about this guy when we met up, but then we started talking about the Stooges, how that was his favorite band. I said, oh, yeah, we can get on great, you know, I, I'm thinking. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of... Can, can I ask well, you, because there's two different bases, right? It's Dave and Alexander on the first two, and then it's Ronnie on the th third one. And uh, what kind of bass man was he? Was he more Dave Alexander or more Ronnie? Well, you know, uh, I think more of the first couple records is, yeah. is, is, okay. is the thing. But then he's also, he, you know, those Army guys played all kind of gigs, jazz and different stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you he know, threw some wacky stuff in there. 
and he doesn't play at all what I would play. So I just try to let him do his own thing. And unless something's just really not jiving, I just keep my mouth shut. And I let my bandmates do as they please unless unless something comes up and I'm like, oh, man, this is not this is not working. But, you know, I yeah, did, I like 100, I did 125 months with the Stooges and Ig would say like that. If it doesn't bother me, it's OK. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell you, John Coltrane's first recordings was with the Navy. So I, I know about and it was one of the, like it was in Hawaii, right? Oahu, in a, in a racial band. This is like at the end of Second War. So, believe you know, people think it's so square the military and shit. But actually, actually, Jimmy's uh, army buddy ended up on base. Billy Cox. Oh. yeah. There's some you know having a military. You know, if things are people get to where they are where they meet each other and play with each other the way they do. And I don't think there's really a standard quote unquote way of doing it. So that's it. I think that's very open-minded of you too, for letting him let his freak flag fly, especially with you being a former baseman or a current baseman that's doing another role. Here, here's another trippy thing you gave me: Hickory Hawkins inside me. Here's a little song about my trailer. I got the. Widest tree in the light Sitting now, my mobile home's got more room in it than any others have got Will your fancy brand new pickup truck and don't impress me a bit I got the widest tree Got my Elvis statue on the lawn. I got my credence clear water long. Well, I got 15 flashing neon signs, and every one of them says there. And if you want to know where the party is, let's go. Got the Forget your voice. I 
ば行ったら誰かがいる扉開けるとカッパがいて普通に湯船に浸かってる温度とか大丈夫なんだカッパが僕を無視する僕もカッパを無視するなんか変だな背中を流してくれないかやっと口を開いたカッパが言う皿はあるけど凍らわなくて肌とか普通に肌色で相撲が強そうな感じも尻子玉を抜く感じもない引退したカッパなのかななんか変だなああいい気持ちだな完全に気を抜いたカッパが言う名前を聞かれたので答えるとカッパを知りそうに、えー、という気がついたらカッパいなくて一人ぼっちの浴室で湯船に浸かってるなんか変だな
Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Um, wildest trailer in the lot. This is something live from Hickory Hawkins inside me. Then uh, Carthy. Then here's some music from Hokkaido. My buddy Nez moved there a bunch of years ago, and the Live House is what they call their club scene, you know. And uh, a bunch of bands out of there. Uh, Car Thief School. He just put out his own label, Transduction Records, with Mikan, which is uh, like their word for orange, huh? And then uh, Grapefruit, our word from the Hatch, Bang Bang Lang with uh, Kire Namachi. Clean town, huh? Slang with Black uh, Rain, Nago, Nango, with Kappa. Kappa's this weird kind of kami, um, a god, uh, nature god that's got a, he's kind of a, he lives in water, right? Kind of a dragon or something, and he's got a little dish in his head, and if it ain't kept full with water, he <laughs> dehydrates his shit. But it's kind of to warn kids about, you know, being careful with water, you know, not drowning. Uh, and then finally, last music, last tune for this, The Void, something live called Wallace Sleep. So, so uh, hippest to Hickory Hawkins inside me, Jay. Well, Hickory was a kind of a guy, he, he'd gotten out of the Navy, and he was just kind of a, a, a kind of a, uh, he was influenced by like Buck Owens and people like that, but also the Cramps. Uh, so he was just kind of nut job kind of guy that uh he could only play about five chords on the guitar but he wore outlandish outfits and stuff but we were playing kind of straight old school country uh with you know a little twist so that was my gig for a while and i learned how to play country bass which is a big deal i don't know if you've ever played any but oh, but yeah. learning to play real old school country bass was very interesting and i really enjoyed it yeah 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 really 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 interesting I mean, the, the yeah. fucking the early ones were one string fucking wash tub dealios. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a you know you do that thing just dump 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 dump, and but then all the walking stuff, and you kind of intertwine the two, and a lot of the walks go along with the vocals, and it's it's funny how melodic some of the walking. Oh, absolute, absolute, absolute. But that walking's in jazz too. There's a lot of when it comes to music. There's a lot of cross pollination that I found, Jay. True, really. It's all vocabulary. You don't have to, like, unlearn one thing to learn another thing. You just add to your fucking vocabulary. Yeah, and that's the point as far as being a bass player. I finally switched from, from Music Man's, which I'd played Stingrays forever. I switched during that period of my life to Precisions, and I, I've never I've never. I got uh, a 56. I love it. It's got a, I have it's a, got a, a trippy. one and a 76, and a, I forget what the other one is now. 73, I think. This 56, though, ain't got the original pickup. It's got a had a big hole in it, so I filled it with a Thunderbird pickup, which sounded good, but then I had a Curtis Novak make a, a P-Bass pickup that could fit in that fucking casing, you know? Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, so you don't see it, but it, yeah. And I do a lot of my record with that, my uh, Moon Bass from Tokyo, Larry Graham model. You know about a great bass man from South Carolina, right? James fucking Jamerson. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just saw a good documentary uh, that featured him. That was Man, we cool. all owe him on bass guitar. Thing. Now, now, tell me about The Void here. The Void is a Sabbath tribute band. Yeah, that's what I thought. And uh, we started actually in 91, back when Sabbath, the, the resurgence in popularity, they were at a low dip at that point. People weren't very interested in Black Sabbath in 91 at I, all. I think Giza wasn't even in the band, maybe. No, no, nobody was in the band but Tony, and uh, <laughs> and nobody was listening to the old songs at all. And then finally, I I kept having this idea that uh, I used to be in a band called Tempest Fugit. Well, I got to tell you, Black Flag was way into that band. 
Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I read that a little bit in that uh, Get in the Van book I read a long time ago. Yeah, we come in the studio to do that record with them, Minute Flag, that came yeah. out later. And they got on the desk. And now this ain't the Aussie, right? This is, yeah, it's the one where it's smoking the, the angel smoke cigarettes, Heaven and Hell. Yeah, Heaven and Hell. And Mob Rules That's was kind of like graffiti. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm yeah. There. There's an Ian Gilliam one, too, with the baby. Yeah, I think, is that Born Again? Is yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was sitting there, too. So it was like, not classical old, but this is why Greg Ginn wanted to use 15s. Anyway, so this is kind of a tribute band. Yeah, it, all we did was the early era stuff. We did stuff like the first record through the Sabotage record. Okay, okay. Yeah, I like it up to kill, uh, Sav, Bloody Sav. Uh, uh, so right now, the current thing is the uh, with the uh, Brandy and the Butcher. Yeah, that's the only band I'm playing in right now. I do play a little bit still with Los Perdidos, but, uh, that, which is a surf band, which is a local surf band that's always been around. They're really good, but... They they parted away with a bass player, but it's just during COVID pretty much. I've been kind of once every couple of weeks we'll get together and work on some songs. The Brandy and the Butcher thing keeps all my creative effort, but these guys I kind of more like play songs that they've written. And Jay, know? with all the fucking shit that's had with your music over the years, what's your advice for somebody uh, younger or whatever age just getting into it? Well, you know, I, I teach audio classes and, st and stuff, and I, I guess the, the thing is that I did wrong. I was looking for a, a, a immediate satisfaction. Like I wanted to get out and play in front of all my friends uh, or, or large groups of people. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, then I would take a left turn and a right turn and did my, I didn't have a lot of focus. I mean, sometimes you do have to stick to your guns and do something for a while. Like the metal band that I was in called Tempest Fugit was, you know, if we'd have put out, a, a few records we'd probably be a classic metal band by now but you know i that wasn't doing you know we i remember we got a gig opening for slayer one time and on their like first tour where they came out here and i looked at what we were doing and it was more sabbath and iron maiden based and looked at that and says man we're old men at 22 here you know and uh <laughs> 22 is when and, we started Minutemen, 1980 so your advice basically is perseverance yeah, perseverance. I think that's what I was getting at. Perseverance, you know, decide what you want to do and, and do it. But then again, you know, I, I see a lot of people just get too locked into one genre and style. And ah, I what do we think of, of genre? Isn't genre kind of a bullshit thing? Yeah, I think... I music think is music, right? That's another right? thing to, to navigate, you know, the whole genre thing and not be worried if you're if some of your uh, fans or, what, or your friends are going to call you out for not sticking too closely to some genre they think you ought to be in. Yeah, music is music, and there's billions of ways to do it. Yeah, you know, it's like, like uh, you know, one minute I could want to play something that sounds like the Dead Boys, the next more, I might be in more of a cramps-esque <laughs> kind of mode, and just want to do something with a bunch of fuzz and tremolo. So, uh, you know, our, our last record was just straight rock record with just straight amp distortion where the next one we're going to put a lot of like, tremolo and fuzz on a few songs and things like that and you know because you don't want to bore people you know <laughs> life's too short right look tell people where they can find you on the internet i'll definitely do it uh uh my studio is uh you know jamroomstudio.com but my current band is brandy and the butcher brandy with a y not an i people look 
people. It's been April 7, 2021, the Dishwat Peter Show. Keep your powder dry.